0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, here we go. John chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Now, The Mount of Olives is uh, just, I mean, uh, oh, let's see. It may be a 20-minute walk from the temple because you've got the Temple Mount. And then on the east side, you've got the Mount of Olives and in between the Kidron Valley. And so Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And then early in the morning, he came. And by the way, the Mount of Olives is a mountain that sometimes when they refer to the Mount of Olives, they're not talking about up on the top. They're talking about down on the base of one side or the other, on the backside from the Temple Mount from Jerusalem, on the other side of the Mount of Olives, there are some of the little towns there, like Bethany, where Jesus would often stay when he came to Jerusalem, because it's just a, a walk of you know maybe uh, forty minutes uh, to get over to over the Mount of Olives, down the Kidron Valley, and into Jerusalem and such. And you just can't stay anywhere. You got to stay in somebody's home. So it says, early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught the people, which by the way was the typical way that you teach, the teachers would sit down and teach. Verse three, then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him, now watch this, a woman caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. I mean, she is uh, in the middle of this act of adultery, and they caught her. I don't know if they set her up or not, but nonetheless, they caught her in the very act, and they're bringing her to Jesus. I wouldn't put it past this group of religious leaders if uh, that they would even set her up just so that they could put her in front of Jesus so that they have something to accuse him of because they saw how loving, how compassionate he was to sinners, how much forgiveness that he would uh, teach and convey. And I think they were wanting him to go clearly against the law of Moses so that they can accuse him. So they said, we caught her in the very act. And then they went on to say, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? See, they're trying to get him to cross the law of Moses, which is the Bible. Uh, this they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. There it is. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. <laughs> Can you imagine? Here, there I mean, there was a crowd of people there because Jesus was sitting there teaching. He's teaching in the temple and they bring this woman in and he just goes down. And he starts sort of doodling with his finger on the ground as if they didn't even say anything. Uh, they may have felt disrespected. But I suspect that Jesus was listening to the voice of the Father to see how the Father would have him respond to this. And you remember the scripture where James said, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath? Jesus is modeling that right here. So he stoops down, and he it looks like he heard them, but it, lo- it looks like that he did not hear. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, they just kept asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Oh, let me tell you. Can you imagine how that hit them? They're all wanting to focus on this lady's sin. And Jesus said, he didn't say stoner. He just said, he who is without sin among you, Let him throw a stone at her first. (laughs) Brilliant. But the point is that you're judging her, but you're overlooking your own sin. Sort of like the passage where Jesus said, you're trying to take a speck out of your brother's eye. Not that adultery is a speck. Adultery is a, a significant sin. But you're not recognizing the beam, the plank that is in your own eye. So watch this. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So he just makes this statement. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And then he stooped back down and started writing on the ground with his finger. Verse 9, then those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. In other words, these people knew the law. Don't do this, and don't do that, and do this, and do this. See, and so they knew that in their lifetime, the oldest especially, we breached the law so many times. And now we're going to pick up a stone and throw it at this lady that breached the law. And so from the oldest, they began to go out because they knew they had compromised, they had missed the the mark so many times. And it goes on to say, uh, from the oldest to the last. In other words, everybody else left. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Nobody standing here saying you're condemned to death. She said, Not one, Lord, or no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now. Now notice, Jesus is not condoning her sin. He ends up saying, go and sin no more. See, so Jesus is standing for the truth. But he's also standing for forgiveness for this woman. Forgiveness, but then having been forgiven, go and sin no more. I think think this is a, a good principle, not only for how we minister to people, but how we see The grace versus works balance. Not that we want to have less grace than we need or less works or obedience than we need, but some people misunderstand the grace of God. We're not under the law, we're under grace. So they think we can just continue to sin. Well, look, here's grace being extended to this woman, but having received the grace, Jesus said, go and sin no more, no more. See, and this is the way we need to receive the grace of God. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving my sins. Now, my endeavor is to be obedient to you and to not sin anymore, not to condone sin in my life so that I might receive more grace. No, I think this is a great model for us to say, hey, the grace of God is to be forgiven and to not sin. And when I do sin, I come back and I confess it and I receive forgiveness. But then I am committed not to sin after that and to walk in obedience to the Lord. Okay, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, talking about these, this group of people. So evidently, that group of people that he was teaching is still there. Uh, but all those that came to accuse the woman, they've left. The woman is now gone. And it goes on to say that, uh, let's see. Verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees, therefore, said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. So these may be Pharisees that were not part of the ones that came and put that woman in the middle of them. Or maybe those Pharisees stepped back, step when he said he was without sin, let him throw a stone at her first and so they began to walk out the temple is a huge place the temp the second temple is a massive place so maybe they walk far enough to where They weren't there in the conversation, but they were still around. Nonetheless, there are so many Pharisees that these could have been different Pharisees. But the Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where where I came from or where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. So notice that Jesus, I mean, he lives like the Father is real. We should live like God is real. We should live like he's a real person who has real thoughts and real purpose and real wisdom and is watching us and with us. Jesus walked and lived with an awareness of Father God being right there with him. And so Jesus is saying, I am bearing witness that I am true. I am the Son of God. My Father's bearing me witness. There are two witnesses. See, there's a law in the Old Testament that says, Uh, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let something be established. In other words, uh, God's the one that said, you can't just have somebody come up and say, they stole something. They need to be punished. Or that person's deserving of death. He said, no, there needs to be two or more witnesses to make sure that it's not just somebody disgruntled with another and wanting to set them up to be punished. Verse 19. Then they said to him, where is your father? So he keeps talking about the father. Where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. So once again, he's saying the same thing as he's been saying that if you would know the father, you would know me. If you really knew and loved me, you would also love the father because we're the same. We're the same. Verse 20. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. You can see that at some point they're going to lay hands on him in the Garden of Gethsemane. But all this time they want to, but they're not doing it. So there's a protection, a level of protection on him from the Father. Verse 21, then Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And praise God, we should declare that too. I am not of this world. We've been born again. We're born from above. We're born from heaven. And we're no longer of this world. This world is not our home anymore. Our home is with God. In heaven, Verse 14, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's pretty pretty clear. If you do not believe that I am he, of course Jesus talks about himself often in the third person, but he's talking about he the Savior, he the Messiah. If you don't believe it, you're going to die in your sins. Verse 25, Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. This tells us right here that Jesus had a lot of other things that he wanted to say and to judge. He wanted to make judgments. This person's off, that person's doing wrong, or whatever. He said, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. So Jesus was here on the earth. He had given up his omniscience and uh, and all those divine qualities that he had. And now he was dependent on the Father feeding him information by the Holy Spirit so that he would know. And so Jesus was saying he, he was tempted to speak out of his own mind, which, by the way, would have probably been pretty accurate because Jesus was sinless and his heart was really with the Father. But he said even so, he wouldn't do it. He was determined to let God speak through him whatever he wanted to speak. May we be that same way. Lord, may I not speak my own words, foolishness, death, criticism, and such. Lord, may my mouth be used to speak wholeness and life. Okay, verse 27. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, this is talking about to be crucified. When you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone for I always do those things that please him. Oh, isn't that a beautiful statement? The Father is with me. He he has not left me alone, for I always do those things which please Him. If we want the fellowship of Father God and the Lord Jesus, then we need to do those things that please Him. If we live a lifestyle that does not please Him, then He doesn't have the heart to hang around us and fellowship with us. Uh, Now, if you confess your sin and receive forgiveness, then yes, that fellowship is restored. But if you live a lifestyle that's displeasing to him, that is not the kind of life that he will want to hang around because he's not compatible with sin and rebellion. Verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, this is powerful, if you abide in my word, abide means to live, if you live in the word, not just visit it once a day or even once a week especially. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Oh, that's powerful. God did this in my life. He taught me to fill myself with the word, and I became free from the bondage of lust. And of course, there are certain passages in scriptures, this being one of them, that really speaks to deliverance and freedom from addictions, bondages, and such. Verse 33, They answered him, We are are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Of course, they're talking about bondage like uh, slavery or whatever. And we haven't been in bondage to anyone. Well, of course, in Egypt, the Jews were in bondage. Isn't that true? But Jesus is also referring here to the bondage of sin, lust, addictions, the lust of the flesh, lying, deception, religious bondage, and such. Verse 34 Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Whoever commits sin, is a slave to sin. That means you're not God's slave if you're one that commits sin. You're, And he's not talking about somebody that just missed it and then you repent and confess. He's talking about somebody that does it, that they're allowing a sin to continue in their life. He said, you become a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Well, of course, Jesus is the son. If the son, Jesus, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do do what you have seen with your father. Now, who is he talking about? We're going to find out. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children... You would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. There he says it again. But who is their father? What is he saying? Then then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God nor have I come of myself, but he who sent me. Verse 43, why do you not understand my speech? Jesus goes on to say, because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Oh my goodness. Jesus is saying, when you walk in sin, when you don't walk with father God and are not obedient to him, the devil is your father. He said, you were of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan, the devil, is a liar and he's the father of all lies, all deception. He is the father of all that. That's why you don't want to be a liar. You want to really confront yourself not to lie, not to deceive, because then you're of your father, the devil. Satan is a liar. Verse 45. But because I tell you the truth, Jesus goes on to say, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And I tell you the truth. why? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. He's He's saying, the reason that you're not listening to my teaching and buying into it, receiving my teaching, is because my teachings come from God and you're not of God. Because if you were of God, if your heart was really with God, you would be receiving my teaching. Verse 48, then the Jews answered and said to him, did we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Well, he's not a Samaritan and he doesn't have a demon. Verse 49, Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead?' who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day And he saw it and was glad. That's a profound statement. Your father Abraham, who, by the way, lived about 2,000 years before Jesus. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see not just me, but my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews, I don't have time to get in and explain that, but I, I think it's a fascinating study. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now that I am, that relates all the way back to the burning bush. Moses is standing there with God. And Moses says, Who do I tell Pharaoh sent me to tell him, let my people go? And God says, Tell him that I am sent you. I am who I am. And now Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. Well, of course, Jesus is the I am. He is a, he's the son of God. He's God. And so he says, before Abraham was, I am. Watch this. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. And so Jesus very clearly says right there that he is God. I am. I am the I am he could have said. And so Jesus is trying to be very clear with them, uh, but without coming across like he's bragging on himself. Well, praise the Lord. Some of these things that Jesus said are only captured in the book of John. And that's why the other three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels, meaning they're similar. And John is something that's distinct. It has so much in it that the other three do not have precious, precious book. And John really focuses a lot on the deity of Christ, that he is God. And John wants everybody to understand he's not just a servant sent by God. He is God. He is from ancient days, from you know, everlasting uh, to everlasting. And so praise the Lord. Well, that's chapter 8. I look forward to tomorrow. A fun chapter chapter nine
0: thank you for joining us for the new testament daily with jerry dearman and thank you to those of you who have partnered with solid lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world if you would like to partner with solid lives visit solidlives.com give to find out more about the ministry of solid lives how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple-making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit SolidLives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us, at least weekly, from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast, as well as Jerry's YouTube channel, online at SolidLives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman.